Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. For over 40 years, residential and commercial property taxes in the state of California have been limited by a law known as Proposition 13, passed by voters in response to skyrocketing tax bills from steadily increasing property value assessments. But while California, which hasn't had a Republican trifecta control of its government since Ronald Reagan was governor, was never the blood-red state of partisan Republican memory, changes in its dominant industries, less gritty defense manufacturing, more woke information technology, an exodus of its middle classes in response to skyrocketing housing costs, and international immigration patterns that select for the most socialist-leading immigrants, compare the voting patterns of Hispanics in California with Hispanics in Florida, liberals see an opportunity to break the dead hand of Howard Jarvis with 2020 Proposition 15, a measure to repeal the limitations on commercial property tax. Joining me to discuss the ballot measure, the special interests behind it, and the possible effects the measure could have on California is Capital Research Center's research specialist, Robert Stilson. Uh, Robert, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Uh, so before we begin, I'd like to just set some background of how California's government works, like what its structural government is for those who aren't familiar. Specifically, uh, I'm interested in the power of special interests to push ballot measures. Uh, you know, a lot of states have initiative referendum or more commonly the legislative referred ballot measure. You know, the, the state state legislature passes a constitutional amendment and then it goes to the people who have to ratify it by a vote. Or maybe you have, you know, the, you know, you have some uh, initiatives at the end of your ballot. California basically is ruled by these plebiscites. The number of propositions in any given year can be staggering. You have local propositions, you have state propositions. Uh, but unlike another, unlike Switzerland, which also has the uh, the common, you know, large number of special interest move ballot measures, whereas the Swiss tend to reject ballot measures that aren't, uh, you know, staunchly consensus uh, across their ideological spectrum, California special interests can push, can get a ballot measure through. Uh, you see it with Proposition 65 from the 1980s, which is why anything that you buy that is also sold in the state of California has that, you know, this product contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. You see it with Proposition 13. Uh, this, the, the, uh, the state constitution amendment that's currently proposed to be amended. Uh, there is a another state constitutional provision that was passed by a referendum that's subject to a referendum uh, to repeal it uh, that limits the use of affirmative action. Uh, so again, it's not just that California has its legislature, has its governor, has its attorney general. It also has this large structure of ballot measures, and because California is such an expensive state to campaign in, and we'll get into that in this uh, Proposition 15 debate, uh, special interests really drive the initiative and referendum process. So uh, for a little background on Proposition 15 and Proposition 13, Robert, can you explain kind of what Proposition 13 does and what Proposition 15 would change? Sure. Yeah. You know, Proposition 15 has the potential, I think, to have pretty you know, long-term and wide-ranging effects on the state's economy. Um, back in 1978, voters passed Proposition 13, which amended the Constitution to cap real estate assessments, you know, for property tax purposes. Yeah. Like, um, you know, pe people who own a home know they get their they get their letter every, I don't know, at least where I live in Maryland, it's twice a year. 
you know, that says your house is now, you know, you owe X amount of property tax, your house is now worth Y. And this is how we calculate your property tax. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's done off of, in many cases, fair market value. And what property, Proposition 13 did was it said, okay, only fair market value assessments are only going to be done when the property, uh, in two conditions, and the property changes hands, like if it sells, uh, change in ownership, or if there's a, you know, a major uh, renovation or addition to the property that changes its character. You know, absent one of those two conditions, um, assessment increases were capped at 2% a year. So, um, and that's for as long as the owner stayed in the property. So what this meant was, and this applied to residential, commercial, and industrial properties. And so what this means is, for practical purposes, that two very, you know, very similar, even identical properties in the state can have drastically different um, property tax burdens based entirely on, yeah. You know, think of, think of two homes across the street in Irvine. Uh, a town in Orange County, California. Uh, you know, if one sold last week, it's going to be assessed at the current value. If a you know seventy-three-year-old Social Security recipient is in the one across the street uh, and bought her house forty years ago, it's going to have a com- it's going to be assessed at a much lower rate because of uh, because of Prop Thirteen. Right. And this has long been, you know, thought of as kind of the third rail of California politics. It's popular, at least in the residential context. What Proposition 13 or what Proposition 15 is proposing to do is remove that protection, that that 2% guaranteed, you know, cap for um, larger commercial and industrial properties. And, and they define large as owner aggregated holdings of 3 million or more. And all that means is that, you know, they're going to take and add up all of the property in California that an owner holds. And if that's more than 3 million, those commercial or industrial properties will no longer be um, capped at 2%. They're going to be reassessed at fair market value every three years. And especially, and and let's look at that, you know, $3 million sounds like a lot of money, but in California real estate, it's not very much, you know, you might find some housing, you know, that I, my, my wife and I watch a lot of home renovation shows and a lot of them are based out of Orange County. Sure. Um, and, you know, they'll renovate a little three bedroom split level and it'll be 800,000, you know, so three, so, so four three bedroom split levels is the threshold that you then get considered a large property owner for purposes of prop 15. Yeah. So that's residential property. Now, now apply that to commercial and industrial holdings, which is even, you know, typically much more valuable, especially if you have tenants who are, you know, small business tenants and, and you can hit that cap very quickly, like what you were saying. So it sounds like a lot, especially, you know, especially in a place. And I mean, Orange County isn't even the hottest real estate market in the state of California. If you're in uh, Palo Alto, if you're in San Francisco, if you're in, although San Francisco has had maybe a bit of a downturn in its property market. Um, but if you're in some, in, in some other places, it can actually be even fewer units of standard ranch style split level house. <laughs> right. So yeah, you can see just how, you know, how this is being correctly billed as, as the largest property tax hike in the state's history. And, you know, when you take up those large commercial and industrial properties and, and you see which ones would be, you know, subject to this new tax were, were it to pass, you know, you get the figure of anywhere between seven and a half and twelve billion in new in new property tax revenue, which is going to be borne by the by the by definition the largest businesses in the state. Um, most of that money would end up just like property taxes do today, would be earmarked for local government and uh, and school districts basically. And then 
obviously we have a, you know you have a tax increase measure the the people bought the, the the special interests behind it it's are they my understanding is these are the usual suspects it's the teachers union it's the municipal governments it's the state political parties that sort of thing is that, yeah is that correct yeah, that's right. I mean, if you look at the, it's interesting to look at the how the kind of the, the slate of coalitions line up on either side of this, and, and by looking at that, you can get a really good idea of who thinks they will be helped and who thinks they will be hurt by by this um, thing. So, if you look at the if the slate lined up, you know, the yes on Proposition Fifteen side, uh, what you see is really a coalition of of the interest groups, you know, labor unions, organized labor, uh, big philanthropy. Um, Nonprofit activist groups that are sort of aligned with with uh, broadly left of center interests, and then um, many, local many, government. Many of those many of those nonprofit activist groups funded by big labor. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's sort of all part of a kind uh, kind of, kind of a, a, a coalition on that side of the spectrum. Sure, but they yeah they put themselves all together in this, and then their political allies, of course, the de- chiefly the Democratic Party of California is, is behind this um, full bore. Hmm. So that's sort of the. The coalition, if you will, if you want to talk about some of the specific um, big players in this, you know, the teachers unions, you know, California Teachers Association is a big funder. That's the local, the state level, yeah, I should the, say. The, the state level federation of the NEA. Exactly. The largest teachers union and the largest single labor union in the country. Exactly. And, and their counterpart, the uh, California Federation of Teachers, which is the, the same thing with the um, American Federation of Teachers, their state level counterpart. Um, SEIU California, which is the State Council of the Service Employees International Union, and several locals are big contributors. And then big philanthropy, like you know, Mark Zuckerberg's Chan Zuckerberg uh, Advocacy, which is the 501c4 uh, arm. The lobbying arm of Mark Zuckerberg's nonprofit slash LLC, air quotes, philanthropic empire. Right. So, yeah, he's a big player in this for sure. Uh, San Francisco Foundation. And then just, you know, kind of the... Um, you know, what you would expect in terms of activist groups, the ACLUs, the um, Sierra Club, uh, the Democratic Socialists of America, this, this local chapters of the BSA, I should say, League of Women Voters, and those kind of groups, and then a slew of labor unions and local governments, and like I said, the Democratic Party. So that's kind of the coalition lined up on the on the Proposition 15 yes so side. Is, so who, if anyone, is pushing back? Well, yeah, there's the, so there's the, then the other slate of interest groups on the, on the no on 15 side, Really, what you have is a, co- a broader coalition of, of business interests and uh, community associations who either have a constituency that are highly connected to small businesses or or who's uh, who represent you know communities who do. So, chief among them would be the California Business Roundtable, which represents uh, the largest, some of the largest employers, private employers, I should say, in the whole state. Um, yeah, taxpayers associations, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association, and, and Howard Jarvis, Howard Jarvis, who I, who I mentioned in the intro, he was the architect of Proposition Thirteen, and Howard Jar and Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association is the organized continuation of the Proposition Thirteen campaign from nineteen seventy eight, essentially. Right. So they're they're organizing very strongly against this. And then uh, you know, we can get into this in a minute too, but you know, because of the impact this is likely going to have on small businesses, you see a lot of you know, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the California NAACP is, is strongly against this because California has a large minority population and so right. it has an and, equally and many, large... Many of, whom, many of whom would own businesses right. in, exactly. major, in, in major metropolitan areas where the property value, where the property values, the assessed property values are going to be really high. 
Exactly. So that's why you see um, you see the black the California Black Chamber of Commerce, California Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. You know, they all see what this could do to their business owning constituencies and are are really worried by that. So that's kind of the broader no on fifteen coalition sort of business and community interests lined up against um, labor and activist and um, and philanthropic interests and government interests. No, oh, yeah, the, the the public sector interests. Um. So we've got, you know, now we've laid we've laid out the sides. We've got the the big philanthropy and the government worker unions against, you know, what remains of the California mainstream private business community. Uh, how much money, you know, who's who's got the who's got the funding advantage? How is it close? Is it? Yeah, you know, it fluctuates. Um, for a while, you know, if you looked at it a month or two ago, you would have seen a major funding advantage on the on the yes on fifteen side. You know, this stuff gets uh, reported to the California Secretary of State regularly. The contributions to to official committees. And a lot of the the reason that your yes side is going to at least start out with an advantage is collecting signatures in California is a big business for political consultancies and is very expensive. But there are a lot of political consultants who. Will who do it because it's good money for them. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so you're seeing, seeing some, uh, the gap close a little bit now, I would say. The most recent figures I could find, which are from last week, you know, it's reported pretty regularly, but um, the, uh, so you got about 60, about 61 million total contributions to all committees for no on 15 and about 56, a little over 56 for the, the yes side. So, so pretty even. Pretty close, and and that, and uh, you know if you look at the major funders, it's it's like the you know the California Business Roundtable is the big funder on the no side, and then um, we've already talked about a lot of the major funders on the um, you know th- th- these committees are required to re- report their top ten uh, largest contributors. So if you go down those, the California Teachers Association is the is the largest at twelve point four million. Uh, Chan Zuckerberg Advocacy we talked about is about eleven million, and then if you add up the SEIU. State council with the locals, you get a little over thirteen million. So, and I'll just throw out one more number. You know, if you add up the top ten contributors to the um, to the primary committee advocating for Proposition Fifteen, those ten groups contributed a combined thirty-eight point two million, based on the most recent figures. Wow. Um. So let's say California decides to go full California, and and they pass this this tax hike. Uh, what do is there any indication what might like obviously it's a huge tax increase but you know what might you know california's got pretty strict lockdown restrictions still there was some you know disney came out and basically begged to be allowed to be reopened and we're told no uh you know what might become of the already battered business community out there yeah i mean i think that's the central worry of everybody i mean california's business environment like you were saying even without covid it's it's not thought of as as particularly conducive particularly friendly to business now you know it has advantages in terms of attracting you know startups and talent and stuff so i mean it's got like you'd think california gets away with a lot because it's got a lot of broadly speaking resource endowments it's got major you know it's got world-class universities in stanford and here now I will speak heresy, Cal Berkeley. Uh, it it has the social networks of Silicon Valley. It has the better weather. You know, it has better weather than pretty much anywhere in the world in Southern California. Um, but 
again, how, how difficult can you make doing business before people decide, yeah, I'm just going to move to Florida and crank the air conditioning? Exactly. And it's never been easy for, easier for businesses to, to move. And, and, you know, despite those advantages, what the state has always, you know, rated very poorly on is, is cost of doing business. And, and what's the, the most, class, one of the more classic costs of doing business is taxation. So I think the fear is that you know, this is just going to drive businesses to more tax-friendly states. And, uh, you know, uh, on the flip side there, or going off of that, I should say, one of the ways California was able to attract and retain businesses was through this Proposition 13. You know, you would say, if you were a business wanting to come to California and you're looking at all these capital investments you need to make on, on the property you're looking at, at owning or, or renting, you could say, well, you know, of all the unknown costs of my business, at least I know what my property taxes are going to be because they're constitutionally capped. If you if you drop that protection, that adds another layer of, of unknown. And, and especially given, because, you know, I've always been, since I knew what Prop 13 was, I've always been of two minds about it. Because on the one hand, especially on, on the residential side, it is a major distortion of the housing market. But on the other hand, it's one of the few things that makes the cost of government in California not totally oppressive. <laughs> and, and on the commercial side, it's one of the few things that, again, yeah, you, you like you were saying about knowing your knowing your costs, you know, especially with the way that California real estate can spiral into whether it again whether it's just the general appreciation throw a bubble on top of that, you know, that can that can really throw your cost calculations in a state that already has an extremely high cost of doing business and a government and a population that is extremely hostile to private in, to, to private enterprise. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the question becomes, and, and this is a question that, that every individual business owner uh, was, was going to answer for himself, but what's the tipping point? At what point do you decide, hey, I'm off to Texas. I mean, that's enough of this. So that's one major concern. And, and, the other... and, to, an extent, and to an extent, that has already happened. And it has. Why California is what it, you know, there are many, many theories as to why California went from being a little bit more democratic than the rest of the country to the most democratic state in the country. And part of that, I think, has to be reckoned with is the way that manufacturing industries, especially the, the, the defense-based um, industries, McDonnell Douglas, uh, the former aircraft manufacturer that got merged into Boeing being the sort of totemic example of this, uh, you know, whether it was because of cost of living, whether it because it was, you know, the government, you know, we, we did the peace dividend and so all the government contracts got cut off, uh, that they just kind of ceased, ceased to be and all the, the middle class jobs that they created, those workers had to then go look for jobs elsewhere, look for jobs in Texas, look for jobs in Marietta, Georgia, look for jobs uh, in South Carolina. And that that fundamentally, you know, that combined with the rise of big tech fundamentally changed the political economy of California. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. And, and that's and, and there's another, you know, that's one big piece of it. this is what's going to do to business. But the other piece of it is what's going to do, like you're saying, just regular Californians. Um, the concern for businesses that do stay 
if Proposition 15 passes, is sure it's not going to impact small businesses directly. But if you're a large commercial landlord and you own multiple shopping centers, multiple strip malls, in which you have many small business tenants, and you're hit with a property tax increase, most of those tenants operate under lease agreements that are going to allow the commercial landlord to pass along the cost, the increased property tax costs, you know, by shares to to the um, small business tenants. So what will happen is the small businesses will end up picking up the cost. Yeah, we'll, we'll bear a certain of, ins- we'll bear an instance exactly. of the cost. Right, and so they'll have one of two choices: either they, they close up, which is not good, or they pass along their increased costs to the, their customers, regular Californians who already, like you were saying, have one of the highest costs of living in the whole country. It, you know, there's it's there's always going to be a way to pass along this cost to. You know, it's being right. sold. I mean, it's the classic, you know, oh, we'll just raise taxes on the rich. But the problem is that, yeah, the rich are going to get, are going to pay some of the, you know, the fancy economist word is tax incidents. You know, the rich are going to bear some of the tax incidents, but a lot of that tax incidence is going to get passed on to others. Sure. It's the, and it's though it's the, it's the sort of classic, you know, what is seen and what is unseen that the bill might come due to, you know, Simon Malls, but most of the some of at least some up to most of the incidents will be like you were saying the the retail tenants right and so this is being sold you know the the yes on 15 coalition is selling this as you know closing the corporate loophole making corporations pay their fair share but you know i I fear that is not going to be the impact and i fear that it's going to be ordinary californians that that pay the price for that well on that Pressing note, Robert, thank you for joining us. <laughs> and that's our show for this week. Uh, we encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.